I think Sean Payton has come in here with his, his coaching staff and he's tightened the screws with this team, right? They are way more buttoned up. Do they have the quarterback and the talent, though, to make a playoff run, right? I, I think the jury's still out on that. I've seen enough to believe now, John. I'm, I was a hard no a couple weeks ago. I've seen enough now where I'm like, okay, even on their bad days, they're still in it. So I, I, I like this team. I'm not ready to, to throw the towel in. I'm right with you. We're not throwing in the towel here. But can they win a game, John, when they don't win the turnover battle because they're 0-5 when they lose the turnover margin? So that's my question. Hey there, and welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here along with John Heath. It's the Broncos Wire podcast, which is powered by the USA Today Network and available wherever you get your podcasts. So rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. We appreciate you and your support of this show. Uh, John, how are you, man? Broncos country hasn't really experienced a loss in like over a month, right? So maybe we needed this, right? We can get back to snarling over the football team this podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's been since like mid-October, I think. It's it's a weird thing to experience the Broncos' loss, at least lately. But yeah, I'm I'm doing okay, Ryan. Like it it was so disappointing on Sunday to watch the end of that game cuz I really believed they were down like what, like 5 points there at the end and Russell Wilson's leading them down the field and like in that moment I really believed. I was like Russell Wilson, he's a clutch quarterback. He's ninth all-time and and uh, comeback fourth quarter wins. I was like, he's about to do it again. The Broncos are about to escape here with a win, even when the offense did not play very well. But then they blew it there at the end. And we'll get into more uh, Russell Wilson blowing it there at the end. But even with how disappointed I was at the very end of the game in like the moment, it was so disappointing. Overall, like looking at like the state of the team overall, I'm not like I'm not ready to throw in the towel. Like I saw some Broncos fans on Twitter just like, well, that was the season. Now they have to win out to make the playoffs and there's no way that's going to happen. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, I, I, I don't agree with that. Like I, and again, we'll get into the playoffs a little bit later too, but I was like losing to the Texans in a close game that they could have won. Like they were right there at the end. They had an opportunity to go ahead and win it. That doesn't mean the season's lost. Like that doesn't mean all hope is lost. Like this is basically what we expected on last week's podcast. Both of us predicted the Broncos to lose this game. Like it's not like some shock. It wasn't like a, an easy game. Like, Oh, the Texans are on the schedule. The Broncos are going to win that game. Like we both predicted them to lose it and they did it and they kept it close. They're right there at the end. They could have won it. So like, I'm not freaking out about it. I don't think all hope is lost. Obviously, it's disappointing, but I think there's just uh, there's still football left. And like I said, we'll get into the playoffs a little bit, but I still think they have a legitimate shot. Like they're definitely still alive, and it's disappointing. But I'm not throwing in the towel on them after that loss. Nor should you. Yeah, I thought I thought this this loss to Houston was coming. We talked about it at length last week. I mean. You just felt like Denver was due. They had been feasting on turnovers all year. It was like, what, plus 13 turnover margin in those five games they won. You just knew that was going to flip. The Texans are good at protecting the football, one of the best in, in the league, and not giving the football away. And you finally have a game where you you turn it over more than the other team, three interceptions. The, the Texans didn't turn it over. I think there was a couple balls on the ground. But you, you end up not recovering them. It's just bad luck the other way. It's you know negative variance for a change for Denver. And and Houston's a good team. So it, it happens. It happens. I, I I'm not freaking out about this either, John. I mean, you made a great point, too, on, on Broncos Wire. You said if, if Wilson hits Judy on that second and goal pass, uh, you know, we'd probably feel a lot different right now. Denver wins this ball game, and we're like, holy crap. They just beat Houston, one of the hottest teams in, the, in football, at least 
at the quarterback position, one of the hottest quarterbacks. I mean, it's it's C.J. Stroud and Dak Prescott. Who's playing better quarterback? You know than that. Those two. I I don't know if there's another guy. Uh, they're on fire. If Denver would have pulled that thing out, yeah, this would be a whole different mood. But uh, I thought that was a really good point, John, because you know Judy breaks wide open between the hash marks there. Right at the same time, Wilson releases the ball. But where is he going? Cortland Sutton. <laughs> he's Which he's going to his boy. Too mad at him for going no. for Cortland Sutton. You just you wish he had better vision. It's, it's just brings back memories last year when KJ Hamler. The helmet spike game. Yes. 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 Went right over the middle like that. Like just a middle, like a basically a slant right across the middle, wide open. And Wilson's just locked into his guy and doesn't see him. And like, I'm not super mad at Russell Wilson to looking for Cortland Sutton because Sutton is so clutch. But sometimes it's like, man, you wish Wilson would like look at the defense before the snap and be like, okay, I think this is going to be here. Like, I know how good of a route runner Judy is. I know that linebacker that, you know, that nickelback or whatever is not going to stick with him. That's probably going to be open. Like, I love Cortland Sutton. He's my guy. But like, I can probably see that's going to be there. And he just, it seems like he doesn't have the vision that. Broncos fans want him to have sometimes that sorry Ryan I cut you off to go on that little tangent but I'm I'm right there with you on the turnovers like I said last week they can keep doing stuff like punching the ball that's not luck but having your guy fall on the ball kind of is luck and and again on Sunday they punched out the ball again I think it was PJ Locke punch it out from CJ Stroud. And there was like five Broncos defenders all around it. One of them even fell on it and just squared out. Like that's just fumbles. Like you're not going to recover all of them. And then when Wilson has a bad game, throws three turnovers, your negative three in the turnover differential, like their turnover luck was unsustainable. It wasn't going to continue like that. It went the other way on Sunday. And it was just like you said, it was something that we kind of saw coming, but it doesn't mean the sky is falling. No, they were they were due. They were due for that kind of game, turnover wise. Uh, but but I think this is a bigger debate too, right? Like the the Broncos were winning the turnover margin by an average of two point six per game during the win streak. <laughs> just just can you can you imagine having almost three more turnovers than your opponent every game? Uh, so that yeah, just helps good. you with field position. It helps the offense. It helps everybody, right? I mean, it just yeah. it's just such an advantage. And and I to your point, I think Denver's defense has made some of its own luck. I'm not debating that, but I also think some of this win streak was lucky for the Broncos in that yeah, there was going to be, yeah, there was going to be some regression, but here's my question, John, can Denver win ball games when they don't have like a two to one or better margin on turnovers, right? Because I, I ran some quick stats here, Denver Owen five this year when they lose the turnover margin and they're six and one when they win the turnover margin. Uh, so I think it makes sense. I think Sean Payton must love that stat, John, in particular, because the Broncos are like, they're kind of propped up right now by this, the old ass like coaching philosophies that I'm sure Sean Payton loves, you know, like run the ball, stop the run, win the turnover battle and you'll win the football game. You know, I don't, I don't know if that necessarily is true anymore in the modern day NFL, but I'm sure guys like Sean Payton believe that to his core. And I'm sure he loves this. And when the Broncos do follow those freaking possibly antiquated rules, they usually win or they're right there at the end. Right. So I think Sean Payton has come in here with his, his coaching staff and he's tightened the screws with this team, right? They are way more buttoned up. Do they have the quarterback and the talent, though, to make a playoff run, right? I, I think the jury's still out on that. I've seen enough to believe now, John. I'm, I was a hard no a couple weeks ago. I've seen enough now where I'm like, okay, even on their bad days, they're still in it. So I, I, I like this team. I'm not ready to, to throw the towel in. I'm right with you. We're not throwing in the towel here. But can they win a game, John, 
when they don't win the turnover battle because they're zero and five when they lose the turnover margin. So well, that's my question. I guess my answer is. As long as the turnover is not the last play of the game for the offense, yes, they can. Because on That's Sunday fair. against That's Texas, fair. they were down 2 nothing in the turnover battle. They're right there on knocking on the doorstep, the eight-yard line, going to win the game if Russell Wilson throws a touchdown pass and instead he throws an interception, which makes it 3 nothing in the turnover battle. If, if, he, if they score there, they still lose the turnover battle by two but they end up winning the game. So, I mean, that's kind of a silly answer, but, like, they could have on Sunday. But, it, again, it was the turnover that did them in. So, yeah, like, it's it, – you say it's an old-school thing from Sean Payton, but, I mean, I think it's just logical. Like, you control the ball, your chances of winning are just going to be so much higher. So, I mean, Wilson's got to do a better job protecting it going forward. And, like we've said, like on defense, forcing them, recovering them might be a little fluky, but you can control a little bit uh, like your own, like you can hang on to the ball yourself. You can make better decisions to not throw interceptions yourself. I think you can control your own a little bit more than uh, how much control you have over the other team's fluky giveaways. So it's, it's something that they can get better at, uh, at, like on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side. Like we said, it's just going to be a little fluky come and go. Like there are things they can do to increase their chances, but really it's it's the offense that's got to protect the ball themselves. And, and primarily it's Russell Wilson that's got to protect the ball. Yeah, and, and Wilson actually finding his open receivers would help as well yeah. or, or hitting them. Uh, and yeah, I, I agree. I, I want to see this team and I believe it can happen. I'm not... I'm not closing the door on this, but I want to see them win games that are more off script. You know what I mean? That are not just following Sean Payton's script. Because I think I think Payton's doing an excellent job, John, and we can feel we've we felt it, right? Especially over the last month and a half. We felt the coaching here. It's like so staggering. It's so different. It's so much better. Like they are just the screws are tightened on this team. But what happens when it gets off the script that the Broncos have been winning by? Can they win those games? Can they find a way? That's what I want to see. But yeah, going back to the quarterback, John, you thought this was Russell Wilson's worst game of the year. Why don't you tell us why? Yeah, it just from the very start of the game, he did have that deep pass to Cortland Sutton that Cortland Sutton kind of dropped. And if he catches that game, you wonder how different this is right from the start. But even before that, he was off on a deep throw. And then later in the game, Marvin Mims just absolutely burns his guy and Russell Wilson just underthrows him by a mile. And it's not I, – I don't think it's because Russell Wilson doesn't have the arm strength. Like, I think he has a good arm. It's just a timing thing, a footwork thing. Like, he can throw a beautiful pass. He's just got to throw it at the right time, and he's got to have his feet in the right situation. And some some of the footwork stuff comes down to the protection. If Garrett Bowles is getting absolutely destroyed and Wilson has to, like, throw it off his back foot, that obviously doesn't help. And, and like, it, it was weird – after last week, how well Garrett Bowles did against Miles Garrett, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. The entire offensive line last week did so good holding up against a good Browns defense. And then against the Texans, who they have talent. And the Texans are also good defense, but it's not Miles Garrett. And it's not the Browns defense. And Garrett Bowles just, I thought he had a terrible game. So that didn't help Wilson. But I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that's an excuse for Wilson. It's just a contributing factor. Wilson himself. It's just those deep passes all season long. It just seems like he's not been on the same page. Like he's certainly not been on the same page with Marvin Mims. Corlin Sutton is his, his like one go-to favorite target, but even him, he doesn't really connect on a lot of deep shots. And there was multiple times on Sunday 
where we already talked about that second and goal towards the end of the game when Jerry Judy was wide open in the middle. Earlier in the game, they had a fourth down. Jerry Judy goes streaking across the field, kind of like a really deep post. And and he's just wide open. Like even if Wilson threw a bad throw, even if Wilson underthrew that, Judy was so wide open, he could have stopped, waited for the ball, and then basically walked into the end zone. He was that wide open. And Wilson just didn't see him. And I think again, it kind of goes back to what I said before. Like in the moment during the play, like you're not gonna see everyone. But before the play, when you when he's up at the line and like he knows what guys are doing, like okay, they have one safety. I know that so and so sucking the defense, the secondary over this side. I know Jerry Judy, even if he's not wide open, I know he's probably going to beat his man on that route. So probably Jerry Judy's going to be in really good position here. But you know the play starts, and it's like he gets one idea in his head. And if that's not there, he's like, okay, I'm going to run it. And and on that particular fourth down, he did run and he picked up a first down. So it's like okay. He got a first down, but we could have had a touchdown. And so it, it was just – it was frustrating to watch him not – like, again, I think he has the arm strength. It's just the timing to connect on those deep passes and his decision-making to just, like, kind of have an idea before the snap. Like, okay, Judy's probably going to be my guy here. It, it just seems like sometimes he gets so locked in. And I think after the game – I don't know if you want to get into this yet, Ryan, but I think Sean Payton – was frustrated with him on Sunday. And I think he let that come out a little bit in his post-game press conference. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I have some sound here. And, and this was this was my favorite. There's a reporter here. Uh, I forget his name, so my apologies. But yeah, the reporter asked a question and Sean Payton jumps out his throat <laughs> to just make sure he gets a word in. Here it is. Hey, Sean, obviously uh, you got the three conversions on fourth down, but 0 of 11 on third down. And with a manageable average you know, distance to gain, was there a comment? 100%. So there he goes. There he jumps in, John. He goes, agree 100 percent. And he's doing that because that's a response to Russell after the game saying that, you know, what did he say about third down? John, he said something about, oh, we didn't get into enough third and manageables or something. And Sean Payton basically cut off that reporter and being like, oh, great point. We had very manageable third downs all day. So that was one thing where he did, you know, snarky little thing at Russell Wilson. Yeah, I don't know if like that third down thing, like. I'm with you. I thought the same thing that like it was kind of contradicting Wilson. I don't know how much we should read into it if like he was trying to like take a shot at Wilson. I don't know if he's trying to take a shot at Wilson, but I do think him and Wilson are like on two different pages. Like Wilson talked about how the Texans did a great job on defense and how they got him into a couple of third and mediums and a couple of third and longs and like credit to the Texans for how good they did. And then Sean Payton's like, you know, we got to execute better. We got to protect better. We got to see guys when they're open. And I think we were in third and manageable. And it's like, okay, that is totally different than what your quarterback thought coming out of that. So I think that's kind of a disconnect there. And I I think that uh, uh, little clip you played there, I think that was from his conference call on Monday. That went in immediately after the game. But uh, Peyton also talked about uh, Jerry Judy being open, like I said. And and he was like, if you watch all of the film, holy cow, there's about two or three of those plays. He said where Judy was wide open and he just, he wants it seen by Wilson. And and Peyton wants it like, there was two or three plays where he he was wide open and Russell Wilson didn't throw him the ball. Like he didn't explicitly say that, but he was like, holy cow. There's about two or three of those times where just like kind of implying like, yeah, Judy's getting open. We got to get him the ball when he is without like directly saying Russell Wilson's name. And then again, like another thing 
he did not directly say Russell Wilson, but that final play of the game when the Broncos there, it's, it's third and goal. They're at Texans eight yard line. The clock is ticking down. They have three guys up to left, including their tight end, who is just elevated from the practice squad. He's, he's not their primary guy. Oh, come on. Kroll. Lucas Kroll is the primary guy, the hero. No, yeah, the thing is, he's not. He's up there of course at the not, line yeah. like, with his hands up in the air, and I'm assuming his hands up in the air like, hey, what are we doing here? What are we doing <laughs> yeah, here? Exactly. And Sean Payton, he said there was like a shift, and he didn't say there was a shift that Russell Wilson's supposed to call out, but he said there was a shift that Wunson called. Presumably, it was supposed to be called by Wilson, but at Wunson, and Payton said because of that, the receivers were out there not in the formation they should have been for the play. And he said because of that, it ended up just being street ball, just kind of improvising. And then again, like on that third down, Garrett Bowles did just a terrible, terrible job getting blown off the line. And so right away, Russell Wilson spins out of the pocket and he makes a pass rusher miss. And it's kind of sad. Like when you're QB and a pass rusher gets in and is breathing down your neck and like you sidestep him, you're like, okay, I got to get rid of this right away. And so I, I, I can't criticize Wilson too much because I know that's what it feels like, like to breathe down your neck. But the pass rusher fell down on the ground and Wilson had like at least a half second where he could have composed himself because the guy like Garrett Bowles by that point was in between the rusher and Wilson. So Wilson had at least a half second where he could have composed himself. But instead he just, he's like, okay, the tight ends in the end zone one-on-one, I'm just going to chuck it up and give him a chance like I do with Cortland Sutton. And obviously it didn't work out. It was intercepted. But if Wilson had composed himself or if Garrett Bowles just hadn't gotten blown off the line, Wilson could have seen Cortland Sutton, you know, wide open on the sideline. Even if he doesn't throw it to him, throw it on his head or excuse me, throw it over his head. It's fourth down. You live another down. You get another chance from the eight yard line. Instead, he chucks it up to this practice squad tight end that's picked off. So I think Peyton was really frustrated that Wilson did not, uh, he didn't get the play set before the play. Not everybody was on the same page. And so then it was just kind of chaos. And, and again, it, it wasn't like Sean Payton said, yeah, Russell Wilson totally blew it. That was on Russ. Like he, he didn't say that, but the way he expressed his frustration about things not getting set at the line, like I'm assuming Wilson is the one responsible for getting everything squared away at the line. And then just when the play started, it was just kind of a calamity of errors with Bulls you know, not blocking his man. And then Wilson not realizing once he evaded that guy, like he didn't have to chuck it in the end zone. Like you can live another down. You don't have to throw it into the end zone on third down. And I know he could not take a sack. So I think that's probably what is, is it's in his head. I can't take a sack, can't take a sack. And so he's not like taking the time to turn around. Is that guy about to tackle me now that I avoided him? He's like, no, 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 I got to get this off. I can't take a sack. So get like, it's super, super critical to be, you know, frustrated him throwing it up when the guy was in his face right away. But the pre-snap stuff, again, I, I think that you can, it's totally fair to be like, Russ, you got to get these guys in the right play, the right formation before the ball is snapped. And like, you got to know before the ball is snapped, like, okay, this is the play. This is what the defense looks like. This is the guy that's probably going to be the best option on this play. And then if it's not there, I can improvise like Russell Wilson does so well, but I, I think a lot of it comes down to just a pre-snap recognition. And on that particular final play, not everyone was on the same page. And I think a lot of that falls on Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, not so subtle by 
Sean Payton letting us know that it, it, it's Russell Wilson's fault. And I'm going to play the rest of this clip, uh, John, that we started to play. And there's I have two clips. I'm not sure if this is the one I actually want for this part, but I'm going to play it and, we'll, and I'll stop it if I don't. Agree. Common theme on that? No, it's, it's not good enough. Obviously, it's frustrating. You know, it's, it's a combination of a handful of things. Protection, guys open, us not making a play. Um, but but I felt like the the, the yardage, uh, the distances were were what we wanted. Um, and yet, you know, we've got to be better in that area. Our, our third down plan, obviously, has got to be cleaner. Um, but it, it wasn't a game where so many of them were third and long. Yeah, so again, that's just uh, Sean Payton hammering away at that third down thing where where uh, Sean Payton saying that they were in third and manageable and you know maybe maybe they should have converted more of those 11 third downs and they went 0 for 11 in the game. But here's the other clip that I wanted to play, John, real quick. And, and just listen to like the tone of his voice here. That's, that's what I want to pay attention to here. Uh, I think the communication's got to be on point. Um, we finished the game yesterday. The last play of the game, we leave a shift off. And so at the snap of the ball, you have three receivers that are trying to run a route, but they haven't shifted into their final formation. So my experience has always been it's the details. Um, it's the little things, and, and those things have to be better. You could almost hear that in Sean Payton's voice, can't you, John? <laughs> like he's just – he is frustrated, and it does feel like it's pointed towards Russell Wilson. I, I find that fascinating. Yes, this was from his Monday presser. Which is, you know, when it's after, you know, it's after Sunday, he could kind of gobble up everything that happened in the game. And also that was said after the game. And I thought some of these messages were directly pointed at the quarterback. It was it was a really nice little bitchy thing going back and forth. But I did appreciate Sean Payton letting us know that, hey, it, it, we were not going to Lucas crawl like he was not going to be the effing hero on that play. Right. Like, I, I love that. That was great because my initial reaction, John, was to come on here and rip everybody everybody for throwing it to Lucas crawl. The only thing that would have been worse is if it was Adam Troutman, right? Because that guy blows. <laughs> so like, no, no, no. Sean Payton saying like, you know, and I'm obviously paraphrasing here, but he's like saying, don't look at me guys. We weren't in the right formation because we missed a shift and I'm not going to name names, <clears throat> Russell, but we have to be better in that area. You know what I mean? It's like, we get it, Sean. It wasn't your fault. Russell Wilson screwed it up. He, he missed like a, a motion. Or he didn't send somebody a motion. Like we get it. You know what I mean? I just, I found that awesome. Yeah, and, like, it's not something where it's like, how could he do that? Like, I think it's a it's a fair thing to be frustrated about, and it's a reasonable criticism. And because he did not come out and, like, directly call out, like I said, he wants to, like, the quarterback or Russell Wilson blew it. Like, he, he said it, like, he explained it and, like, explained the blame without, like, directly slamming Russell Wilson's name. So I, I think it was a fair way to go about it. And I think it was fair criticism because like clearly Wilson's got to be better in that scenario. Yeah. Just some subtle bitchiness. I love, I love it. This is what happens when you lose football games. It's been a while, John, it's been a while since we lost one and we could get it all out here. Uh, I love it. I think Sean Payton's getting some of it out. You can just hear it in his voice. Just pissed. I love it. Let's see how the Broncos respond, right? They got a ball game coming up a big one. Against the Chargers, we got plenty more coming up. We want to talk a little bit about Denver's playoffs, where they kind of stand against some of these teams coming out of Sunday. We'll talk about the Chargers. Alex Singleton had a pretty big play in this ball game that we haven't gotten to yet. We'll cover that as well. But first, 
Let's break for some fantasy advice. Week 14. Can you believe it's week 14, John? No, I Week 14. Every time I type that, I'm like, wait, is it? I like, I keep double checking. Like, it is week 14. I got to freaking buy some Christmas presents. It's like, holy <laughs> crap. Week 14. TheHuddle.com has some fantasy advice. We'll be right back. Corey Bonini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week 14. Quarterback Baker Mayfield, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Atlanta Falcons. Mayfield scored 21 fantasy points against Atlanta in the earlier meeting, and this defense has given up at least 21 points to the likes of Jordan Love, Jared Goff, Will Levis, Joshua Dobbs, and Kyler Murray this year. Mayfield is a viable quarterback one play against a defense that has struggled to stop signal callers through the air and on the ground, which is a nice bonus to consider for a quarterback with above-average mobility. Running back A.J. Dillon, Green Bay Packers at New York Giants. Dylan once again will assume the primary chores if Aaron Jones can't play, but there's little to get excited about here based on what the bruising back has done on his own. The bright spot to focus on is the matchup itself. New York comes back from its bye having allowed a rushing touchdown per game on the year and at least the fifth most fantasy points per game in both primary scoring systems. Wide receiver Drake London, Atlanta Falcons versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As expected versus the toughest pass defense in the league last week, London was not a quality play. However, a single catch for eight yards isn't exactly what people had in mind. This week, it should be the polar opposite result versus an injury-ravaged Tampa Bay defense that has given up copious points to the position of late. Since week 8, wide receivers have averaged a touchdown per game and the fourth highest yardage figure on a per-game basis. Tight end Gerald Everett, Los Angeles Chargers versus Denver Broncos. I'll admit this one's digging a little deeper than we usually go. Everett isn't a safe play in any setting per se, but he does have an awesome matchup, especially if you're gambling for a cheap touchdown grab. Denver has allowed three scores in the last four games to the position, and they've come at the seventh highest rate in relation to catches faced. That alone makes Everett an understandable play at a volatile position. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back. Broncos, Chargers, big ball game. We're going to get into it here, but first, just to wrap up the Texans game with one more thought, John. Alex Singleton, big play in this ball game. He didn't do a lot to get this flag, so I know Broncos fans probably kind of pissed more at the ref than Singleton. Maybe some are mad at Singleton, some mad at the ref, whatever. But it was it was a big play to your point on Broncos wire. It was a four point swing because the Texans, you know, probably would have just kicked a field goal. Instead they went down and scored a touchdown. And those points mattered at the end. Uh what was your take on Singleton's play? I know you you were more on the player than the ref. He's got to be smarter than that, especially being a veteran guy, being a leader on the defense. He just has to be smarter. And like, I think that it should have been offsetting penalties because he initially comes in and just kind of does this very light push on Stroud. Like, I wouldn't even say he shoved him. He just kind of pushed him. It, yeah. it was nothing. Nothing there. And then nothing. Stroud just like aggressively headbutts him. And then Singleton pushes him again stronger that time and he pushes him a third time and then the officials penalize a singleton and, and so often it's the second guy the guy that retaliates even if he didn't do something worse it's just the retaliation especially if only the retaliation is seen that gets penalized so he just he, like even flopping like when shroud headbutted him if yes. he flopped he might have gotten a call himself like, that's just it be that's smart. it like you nailed it either either flop or just be like just back with like don't engage like don't fall for the bait like sean payton said we were baited by a rookie player into a 15 yard penalty and like that's exactly what it was like i personally think that like shroud should have also been penalized and then like offensive linemen came over and like jump singleton but that's always going to happen when you go after a quarterback and, and people say the offensive linemen should have been penalized for that too. I don't know. I, I think 
that it should have been offsetting penalties because Stroud kind of starts, you know, the escalation by headbutting him. But even with me thinking that, Singleton is not off the hook because he just he cannot do that. He cannot retaliate. He's got to be smarter than that. And I I would think after you know after how crucial that play turned out to be and how after how angry everyone is about it and I'm sure like Sean Payton you know let him hear about how foolish that was I assume we're never going to see Alex Singleton make a mistake like that again like I would hope like I hope that he learned from that because like you said it it kind of ended up deciding the game it was fourth and two the Texans got a false start that's why the play was blown dead that would have been a five-yard penalty. It would have made it fourth and seven. I'm assuming the Texans are not going to go for it on fourth and seven. That seems really unlikely. They kick a field goal, and that, that's a four-point difference. Then that penalty gave them a first down. They went down and scored a touchdown. Say the Texans kick a field goal there instead. At the end of the game, and again, like it's the butterfly effect and stuff. So not everything would have been exactly the same, but just say everything was the same and the Texans kicked a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown there, the Broncos then are only down by one point when they get the ball back and driving down there at the end. Instead of Russell Wilson being like, oh, no, I'm getting pressured, but we got to score a touchdown. I'm going to chuck it in the end zone and getting picked off. You know, he can – before that, they don't even have to get to that point because they only need a field goal, and they win the ball – they win the game by two points. So that the penalty – and, like, again, I know the whole rest of the game may have not been exactly the same – but just looking at it from the the scoreline that the game ended up and looking at that turning from presumably a three-point play into a seven-point play, like it essentially cost the Broncos the game. And Singleton, just the bottom line is, sure, maybe the Texans should have been penalized as well, but you can only control yourself. You can't control the refs. You can't control the other team. All you can control is yourself. Singleton should have controlled himself and not retaliated and, you know, he never would have been penalized if he just didn't retaliate. Like, it, more than anything, I think it's on him. He's got to know better. Yeah, this won't make for great radio because I agree with each and every one of your uh, takes, John. So, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't even know if I need to say anything because my take on this was that it would be really easy for someone, and I was kind of hoping you would say something like this, John, so I could argue with you. But, no, you're, you're, you have the same exact take as me. It would be really easy for someone to dismiss this one and say, hey, Stroud escalated the thing. He headbutted him. What's a guy, a guy slams his face mask into yours. You're not going to shove him. Like if that happens anywhere, not a, never mind a football field, you're going to shove a guy if he headbutts you. You know what I mean? Like that's just like a natural reaction. So it's hard to get on Singleton for that. But I think if you're going to go in there and give him a little something after the play on a play that's been whistled dead, because I don't believe that Singleton didn't hear the whistle or anything. Like, come on, you gave him a little something. It wasn't anything. It was nothing. It was absolutely nothing. But you gave him a little something. You got Stroud to headbutt you. Now throw your arms up and go flying 10 yards. You know what I mean? Like exactly. That's exactly what I wrote in my notes. And now you get the flag. Uh, But instead, you got Stroud to retaliate to you, but then you retaliated to the retaliation. You know what I mean? So now you screwed it all up, and now you you get a flag that you did deserve, and you cost your team points. So uh, a tough play for Singleton. Hopefully he does learn from it. He, He had a pretty decent day, though. He was flying all over the field, hitting everybody. I thought he was okay, but that play kind of sucked. Um, what does this loss mean, John, for Denver's playoff chances? Uh, you, you know, you wrote on Broncos Wire that's going to be harder now. They're three and five in the conference, but we both still believe that it's possible. And I thought we could just kind of run down the kind of the tiers of the AFC and kind of think about where Denver's at. I mean, I think right now, uh, 
and let me know if you disagree. I think right now the class of the AFC is clearly Baltimore and Miami. And I think the Dolphins might be the best team in the conference. They've got nine wins, but guess who the best team they've beaten is this year, John? Tell me. You, the Denver Broncos. <laughs> That's the best win they've had all year. And if you don't believe me, look it up. Now, I think we all remember that one. I think Broncos gave up a certain amount of points in that game. We, we might have talked about it, but yeah. I don't I th- remember that game at all, Ryan. I don't <laughs> yeah, know yeah. The Dolphins, they have no signature wins, but they're really fun. They're really scary. They're dangerous. And, and Vic Fangio is coaching up the defense. They're getting healthy on defense. They're a scary team. You agree Baltimore-Miami is the class? Oh, yeah. I, that seems totally fair to me, especially as someone who doesn't want to take the Chiefs seriously. I'm right there with you that the Dolphins and Ravens are the teams to beat. Yeah, so I got the Chiefs in Tier 2. With the Jaguars, right? I, I think if Trevor Lawrence was fully healthy and they were the top seed right now, which is where they would have been if they beat the Bengals on Monday Night Football, we probably have to put them in Tier 1. But now we have some uncertainty with Trevor Lawrence. He has a high ankle sprain. How healthy is he going to be? Uh, you would imagine he'd be fully healthy by playoff time, but you never know. You never know with but, those ankles. I mean, they, they still got to get to the playoffs, though. Like, right. who knows how much this could derail them over the the wrap up the regular season like high ankle sprain that could legitimately be weeks yep yep i mean i know patrick mahomes tried to play the same game in his and but he's kind of a unicorn that guy his competitiveness uh i think trevor lawrence is a tough kid i think he'll he'll try to play before the playoffs i'm sure he'll get back out there but how effective will he be will he be able to use his legs the way he does i i think there's some questions now with the jaguars i mean i guess we're not putting a lot of confidence in this cj Bethard, whatever the hell his name is. Uh, yeah, so the Jags, I think, tier two. The Chiefs, tier two. Uh, the Chiefs, they might be running out of gas a little bit, John. I, I think the Chiefs are paying the price for putting a putrid group of skill position players around the best quarterback in football. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is amazing, but you get what you deserve when you pull this kind of crap. You think, yeah. you think you're think you great quarterback, and he's so great. You think he can cover up your warts, but those warts are showing with the Chiefs, right? They're just not the same team right now. I mean, I I, I'm not going to say they can't turn it on and flip the switch in the playoffs, maybe. But you look at some of the drops and, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is their best target, and that's the guy that Mahomes is going to in crunch time. It's like, holy crap. What did the Chiefs do around Patrick Mahomes? So I think the Chiefs and the Jags, yeah, they're in the next tier, but I don't put them far ahead of Denver right now, especially with this C.J. Beathard kid playing football for the Jaguars right now. What's such a shame is the Broncos, if they win that, game against the Titans and again like I keep saying like they really could have they were right there at the end they'd be one game behind the Chiefs in the AFC West like how crazy is that and with the way the Chiefs have been playing like them tripping up one more time uh, like over the course of the next five games and you know again it would be tough but just like hypothetically if Denver won out like to end the year at the it's the same record as Kansas City and then it just come down to tiebreakers for the uh, division crown like now it's probably not going to happen because Denver's two games back so it's just like a complete hypothetical but it's just another thing that's just kind of frustrating it's like man the Broncos if if they didn't trip themselves up if they didn't start one in five like if ever there was a year to knock out the Chiefs as the AFC West champion like they they're really vulnerable this year I agree with you like their receivers their offense it's just it's not what they've been it's not the Chiefs of years past. And a big part of that, I think is the dolphins are so good. Tyree kills like legitimately on pace for the first 2000 yard season or did Calvin Johnson get there? I don't know if Calvin Johnson, no, he'd be the, he'd be the first. Yep. Yeah. So like if he was still in Kansas city, then I think that would uh, solve a lot of their offensive woes. Uh Obviously he's not. So I I'm with you that this is the year the chiefs are beatable. And it's just, 
it's a bummer that the Broncos kind of blew it. It doesn't seem like they're going to catch them in the AFC West, but if for a wild card spot, like we'll get to the, the teams in the secondary tiers below those top four teams. But yeah, I, they're still alive in this thing. Oh, they are. And yeah, uh, Washington commanders, Ron Rivera. Did you know you should try to cover Tyreek Hill last week? Uh, did <laughs> should, did you, do you have a plan for that guy or no? You're just going to have your poor corner just chase him around five yards behind him. It was unbelievable, the commanders in that game. But yeah, no, th- that's the point of this exercise a little bit, John, is all right, Baltimore and uh, why am I now spacing it? Ba- Baltimore Miami. and Miami. Yeah, of course, the team we were just talking about. Baltimore and Miami, clearly the class of the league. I think the Chiefs and the Jags are still ahead of you, but it, the gap is not that big. And then I think the next tier is everyone else. I think you're in the next tier, right? Including the teams ahead of you, like the Steelers, who are 7-5, and five, but seriously flawed. Kenny Pickett just had surgery on his ankle, right? When's he coming back? We don't know. Mitch Trubisky steps in. They've been among the luckiest teams in the league when you factor in defensive oh, yeah. touchdowns and how much it, points it, they score. Yeah, yeah. And the quarterbacks they've been playing. Oh, yeah. It's just remarkable. Like, ev- basically every week they're playing a terrible quarterback. I mean, Bill Parcells would, would strangle me, but he says you are what your record is. But I don't think the Steelers are a 7-5 <laughs> team. I think they're lucky to be there. Uh, the Browns, I mean, another 7-5 and five team somehow with all their injuries. Great defense, but Joe Flacco just started for them last week. Denver has a head-to-head tiebreaker. I'm not too worried about catching the Browns, John. I think you could catch them if you play good football here down the stretch. The Colts. They're ahead of you. Luckiest win ever, though, last week against the Titans, right? Back-to-back blocked punts in the second half. One for a touchdown, and then they won in overtime. So there is a lucky charm wedged right up Gardner Minshew's keister. I mean, I am not a believer in the Colts. I've said that multiple times. I don't think they're that good. I thought they should have lost in Tennessee last weekend. Unfortunately, they won, but I'm not a believer in the Colts. I think you could catch them. And then we got Buffalo, which is a scary team, you know, just because Josh Allen. But they have a brutal schedule. They play Kansas City this week. They they follow that up with Dallas. Plus, you have them head-to-head. Can you keep pace with Buffalo? I think so, right? So Buffalo doesn't even scare me. I put you in their class. You did beat them head-to-head. And then Cincinnati. Nice little win Monday night in Jacksonville, but Joe Burrow's out for the year. How much are we really going to you know believe in this Jake Browning fella? He, he looked pretty good. He did, he did well. I mean, they won a big game, and that was a huge game for Jacksonville, and they took it from him. So good for Cincinnati, but again, Joe Burrow out for the year. It opens things up for Denver. And then it brings us to the next team. I think maybe this is the the tier below. I've come around on this, John. The Chargers, right? At six and seven, (laughs) which we'll get into. But conclusion is, yes, absolutely. I don't think you have to win out. To your point earlier in the show, when you said some fans are worried about winning out. I don't think you have to win out. I think 10 will get you in. um, Because I think you're right in the weight class with all these teams ahead of you. And you should have no... I I think none of these teams are going to win out themselves, right? There's going to be a lot of losses in here. It's going to be ugly. If you take care of business, you if you can win 10 games, I think you're in because you've won some of these games head to head. So that's kind of my conclusion here. It's definitely not over, even though we saw we kind of predicted this Houston loss. We're not coming on here throwing in the towel. And I think they're very much still in this thing. People on Twitter talking about, well, now the Broncos have to win out because their conference record. I'm like, no, not. I mean, maybe they will. Like, obviously, we don't know. We, we're not going to we don't know what's going to happen. Well, that would help. But just like, <laughs> yeah, just. Presumably, though, with how flawed these teams are, it's extremely unlikely that almost any of the teams around the Broncos are going to win out themselves. Like besides the fact that the NFL is weird and crazy and basically every week someone beats someone that 
you know, they shouldn't. It just like comes out of nowhere. Like what? They lost to them. Like that's probably going to happen a time or two. Like maybe the Dolphins or even the Ravens like trip up against someone they shouldn't. But that that's not who the Broncos are trying to catch. They're just trying to catch the people immediately in front of them. Who's a bunch of vulnerable teams, including a couple teams that got injured quarterbacks. So like the other teams I'm assuming are going to trip up once or twice and that's should be enough like i i'm still been saying like these last few weeks i count the lions game as a loss the other four games like they can win and they they kind of have to win and it like if they take care of business in those hypothetically winnable games then you know i i truly think that 10 and 7 with the way the rest of the afc looks I think it's going to be enough. And, you know, maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I'm way too optimistic. Those orange and blue goggles that we talk about all the time. Maybe I'm just, you know, being way too optimistic. But I really think that you are spot on that the other teams that are right around them, none of them I have super confidence in. Like maybe some of them, you know, will finish as like the fifth seed and the sixth seed. But there's seven teams that make the playoffs. Can the Broncos move up literally just two spots? over the next five weeks to the seven seed, like, yes, I, I truly think that is like a realistic scenario, something they can do. They, they got to go out and take care of business. So like it's, they still have to win the games, but is it feasible? Yes, absolutely. It's feasible. Yeah. And, and you know me, I've been pushing back against the Broncos will make the playoffs thing. John, over the last few weeks, I've been pushing back, pushing back ever since the bye week. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not taking it seriously. And one of my points was that I thought, I think they will sweep with the chart. I mean, I'm sorry, split with the chargers. I should say, that's what I meant to say. Uh, it's just like, you know, I don't think the chargers are good, but I think, you know, division team, you know, you got them twice in a short amount of time. Like, I, I just think that's smells like a split to me. So I didn't want to count both of those as wins. I know you and Brandon Walker there on the, on the site have, have called those both wins. And I pushed back, uh, John, you know me, I'm a, I hate to admit this. <laughs> I'm a Patriots fan. So I, oh God, so I watched the game on Sunday, Chargers Patriots. Holy crap. Oh, six to nothing. John? I feel six, so bad for their defense. Six to nothing? Is what is it? The 1930s? Six to nothing <laughs> final. And neither team entered the red zone in the entire game. Neither team entered. So I am now off this Broncos will split with the Chargers. I'm now on the other band. I'm on the uh they're gonna sweep with John and Brandon bandwagon. I'm jumping on that bandwagon. Uh because I mean, I think you put in our notes that the uh, Chargers are coming off an ugly win. No, it was it's worse than ugly. Putrid. That was putrid football. That was terrible. Uh, in terms of like just opponent yards per game with the Chargers, John, they're 29th in football. They're horrible on defense. Brandon Staley, aren't you a defensive guy? Like he's such a bozo. The there, Broncos have no way he's lasting beyond. Yeah, the no, no. So Brandon Staley is such a bozo. The Broncos have a huge edge in coaching. SoFi Stadium. Yeah, this game's on the road. Please. I mean, stadium. Uh, it's basically a home game. Every yeah. time they play in yeah. LA, the Broncos have so many fans. Yep. That's where I was going with this. Like, it looks gorgeous. I would love to go. But either Broncos fans or randos like me who just want to see LA in the stadium are more likely to buy a ticket than a Chargers fan. Are there any Chargers fans out there? <laughs> Please. It's so dumb. Like, they never, we don't have to get into it. This is not a Chargers podcast, but moving from San Diego was so idiotic. And now, like, I know. they don't care because they're going to make their money. But on game days, like, it kind of has to be a little embarrassing when you're the road team at your own quote home stadium. And it's not even truly their own home stadium because everyone knows it's the Ram stadium that they just get to share. But 
there the la is not a chargers market no it's not so home field advantage get that bull crap out of here i don't want to hear anything about home field advantage and historically john denver's had some success against justin herbert right he's three and three in six career games versus the broncos uh, he hasn't dominated them herbert's kind of been a, like he's kind of been a 500 player throughout his career i think with the chargers because his coach and his defense have been so terrible so yeah i after seeing that display that crap sandwich in Foxborough against absolutely, absolutely pitiful jo- uh, Patriots, John. And just imagine the poor schmucks who have to root for that team, the Patriots. <laughs> I mean, that was just brutal to watch. I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, my wife and I moved into a house two months ago here in Minneapolis. I should have painted some walls and watched the paint dry instead of watching that game. It was so bad. Uh, this is just a long way of saying that I think the sweep is in play with the Chargers. I don't. I, I saw the Chargers this past weekend. They didn't look good. I know they suck on defense. They had, ju- they had lost three straight before this game against the Patriots. And how much credit do you give them for winning six to nothing? So uh, I think Denver, I really like this spot for them. Going to SoFi, uh, coming off a tough loss, back against the wall, opponent kind of blows, coaching mismatch in your favor, and you're giving me a field goal on the spread. Broncos are three-point dogs. <laughs> oh, my God. No, no, no. Give me Denver. I think Denver wins this one outright. I, I love Denver plus three. I think that's the, that's my favorite bet on the board right now um, by far. So I, I, know I haven't picked Denver a lot recently, John, so I thought people might like that, especially those hanging on this long on the yeah. podcast. I love Denver. I'm taking the points. I would take the money line. I think they go in there and win the game. Well, I love that you love Denver, and I'm obviously also picking them to win the game. Like you said, I, for the last few weeks, I've been picking them to sweep the Chargers, and again, Maybe I'm delusional fan, but I don't think you, so. like you, someone who's a lot more objective from a Broncos perspective here, and you say that it makes me feel, you know, even more confident. So I'm, I'm backing the Broncos to win the game, picking them to win that game. Like I've done so bad with spread predictions. Like I'm, I'm weary of uh, giving a prediction for the spread, but to outright win the game. Yes. Like I'm predicting the Broncos will win this game in, in Los Angeles. Well, folks listening might, they might find this hard to believe because they're like, man, this O'Leary guy, he's never right. I'm actually 11 games over 500 this year picking against the spread, John. I've been keeping track. There you go. That's so not bad. That, that's what I'm saying. Listen to Ryan. Don't listen to me <laughs> on the spread. But to win the game, I am picking the Broncos. Oh, I'm taking these points. I just think it's a great spot. Um, we talked about the whole field advantage that does not exist for the Chargers. And again, I think coming off that loss against Houston, I'm not surprised at all that they lost that game, but I think it helps you. It gives you a little extra something desperate team they're going to want to go win this game and then the chargers uh how can they when when the broncos watch the film of that game in foxborough last weekend they'll be like oh man we're gonna go we're gonna go beat these guys they're gonna go in there with some confidence that was ugly football i can't get that one out of my head john it's like oh my god now i gotta watch the patriots on thursday night so just (laughs) pray for me uh mitchell trubisky (laughs) like the patriots defense you know is gonna shut down the steelers offense it's just ken bailey zappy lead three field goal drives well, what the hell was the game last thursday night it was like really fun um i'm trying to remember what it was on the fly now oh once in it like uh once it the Cowboys oh, it was dallas the yeah dallas against seattle that's what it was dallas that's seattle was. seattle played a great game there's points all over the place it was really exciting and then they keep on flashing the graphic on the next thursday night game and it was just like i was just i was like oh god why give me another beer uh, honey can you grab me another beer over there oh my god no <laughs> And they're literally showing Belichick's face with TJ Watt <laughs> because they, <laughs> there's no one good because Matthew Judon's out for the year. So who else do you even put on the graphic? It's like, 
<laughs> who's even starting a quarterback for the Patriots? Nobody knows. It's like, oh, God, no. Why? Why are you doing this to me? So, yeah, Thursday night should be fun, John. Um, but I'm sure you're going to be busy uh, getting ready for this ball game. So I, I, it was a fun show this week, man. I thought it's fun. I think the Broncos are still alive. I'm feeling good about it. And, uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go beat the Chargers, man. Anything You want yeah. the final word before we wrap up here? Yeah, I just – I love the optimism both of us have. Like, who would have thought the Broncos coming off a loss, coming into listening to this podcast, you and I, Ryan, hyping up the Broncos, talking about, you know, we're glad about the state of the team coming off a loss. Like, who would have predicted that? You know, I I like it. And I think, like, we truly believe it. It's not just, you know, saying what we think people want to hear. We're both of the opinion that, you know, Sunday, yes, it was disappointing, but it's not the end of the world. The Broncos are right there in it. They can bounce right back on Sunday and be right back in the playoff mix with a win. And we both think, you know, it's a very winnable game, backing them to win this game. So hopefully we'll write. Hopefully we are right. And, you know, we're right back in the playoff mix on Monday. Yep. And and hopefully the Chargers turn it over four times. <laughs> that, that, would, <laughs> that would help uh, Denver's cause because they're really good when that happens. But, uh, of course, for John Heath, I'm Ryan O'Leary. As always, thanks for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate you again, uh, and especially those hanging on to the end. We love you. Thanks for sticking with us, and tell a friend, rate and review. Let us know how much you love John. Give him five stars and all that good stuff. Uh, We appreciate you, and uh, we'll be back next week with more to hopefully talk about Denver's playoff push or just rip them to shreds for losing to the Chargers, who are just not a good football team. So we'll see what happens, and we will catch you then. (laughs) 